initiated the reconciliation of all things to himself through the blood of the cross, God restored the original harmony. His reign of peace now extends to every visible thing on the earth and as well as invisible things which are in the heavenly realms. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people, things, animals, and atoms get properly fixed together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death. Colossians 1.20, The Mirror. I just love that. Welcome. This is Intentional Now podcast, an engaging workshop discussion on change and purpose and redefining. What do we say yes to? Hello, I am Kristen Wombeck. I am a spiritual entrepreneur. I'm chasing bold dreams, doing the work and asking the questions and getting life done. Done, you might say, the life that we're meant to live. Let's do this. Good morning, listeners. Hello, hello. I have a treat for you today. And yes, I kept it a very good secret. Didn't tell anybody. The weather here in the Pacific Northwest has finally heated up. And yes, all your Oregonians are complaining it's too hot or complaining it's too cold. But it's wonderful. I like the heat. Good morning. So without further ado, I would like to introduce my guest, Mike Parsons, and he is from Barnstable, England. And I was looking back in my journaling notes, and my first note was in 2014. And actually, what I found it interesting when I did the search, I had 123 notes with your name on it. <laughs> so, welcome. Yeah, I went, oh my goodness. Thank you for being a very honoring and very helpful influence in my life and my relationship with heaven. I originally met Mike. He invited me to sit in on one of his supernatural mentoring groups ages ago. And it was a great time. It was just a great time. I still have people. There's one particular mentoring group where Bracey and I really were zealous. I still have people contact me from that original mentoring group. So welcome, Mike. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. It's great to be here. Yeah. Uh, fond memories from being with you in Corvallis and around the area. In the past. I know. I know. What was what was really fun, the, the part fun of seeing you have fun because there are different laws in the UK versus in the United States. And I remember you, you go, can I shoot a gun? And so my boys were here and here comes all the, the weapons and the ammo. Cause we're, you know, we're Americans and we have weapons <laughs> and it was fun. It was really fun. Yeah. Just the difference in the countries. <laughs> I wanted to share with my listeners what my first impression of you when I sent you that original email and the word that comes to mind is graciousness and then today what would be my impression today is authentic graciousness <laughs> and you know that word graciousness is not terribly too masculine but it is the essence of the father that i've witnessed 
in your ministry. And I want to say thank you. Thank you very much. Right. Yeah. You're welcome. Okay. Mm. Oh, I need to share your ministry is Freedom Arc, which has an absolutely awesome blog, wonderful, Sons of Iskar. And you have published two books thus far, My Journey Beyond Beyond, and then The Restoration of All Things, My Continuing Journey Beyond Beyond. So thank you for sharing yourself in a written form. Yeah. I mean, they were, yeah, not, I'm not exactly a writer, but I enjoyed doing it because it was just sharing testimonies of what happened over the last, I guess, 14 years or so. So, yeah, it was good to share with people in a written form. Obviously, I've done lots of material, videos and YouTube videos and other things, but put it all together into a book, sort of crystallizes it down so people can sort of have a look at the journey themselves and see where their journey will take them. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I have a needful question. I have a needful mm -hmm. question that... I know that it would minister to me, and if it ministers to me, it would minister to others. So, in a nutshell, how do you get creation to respond? Let me put that in a, in a needful form. My little King Charles dog, my little King Charles Spaniel, which is a gift to me, has a really bad staph infection that won't go away. So what's interesting is obviously I have been trying to heal her, right? Yep. This process going through deliverance with her. And it's interesting that God, he takes me in the spirit to heal people who have the same disease. So my question to you is, how do you get creation to respond? But I do need a response from creation, which to help this situation, which is really painful. Oh, it's an interesting question. I think using creation in its broadest sense is probably easier to answer than creation in a very specific sense for your dog. But... Well, it's a generality because there are feelings yeah. and emotions that are wrapped around that. So when yeah. there's hurt and pain, you, it it makes it, oh, I don't know how to explain it. It, it me, means it's kind of like you kind of need this now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, in, in the simplest thing, if I am ever engaging with anything, I'm just going to go to the father and ask him what to do or mm -hmm. find his heart in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously every situation is complex and different. And, I, you know, I don't know what's, whether what's happening with your dog is a result of something else or it's just something that's happened. I think creation itself is groaning and it's looking for sunship. So... Mm -hmm. If our manifestation of sonship is aligned to the father's heart, then creation begins to respond to us. And obviously, you know, ministering to a particular part of creation, you then have to align what is going on with that part of creation rather than the general sense of all creation. 
And what I found, I guess, over, over a period of time, that all creation is sentient and can communicate. The whole of creation is groaning or longing for something, sort of indicates some level of thought or connection. And I do believe that God has created things in a way that reflects him. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he's relational. Therefore, the whole of creation was created to be relational, to be harmonious. You know, I love the, the passage that you read from Colossians 1, 20 onwards. And it, it's just a powerful passage, which really describes how Jesus created everything for relationship and through him on the cross as wanting to restore everything, reconcile everything back to relationship. Mm-hmm. So that for me is, is part of how I engage creation is looking to engage the emotions that I am picking up in any particular aspect of it, whether it be the planet itself. And sometimes you engage the whole planet or you engage the core of the planet. Sometimes you engage the tectonic plates of the planet or you engage the elements of the planet, the the earth or the air or the water, you know, those sort of elemental things. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm then looking to find what is the issue that I have any mandate or authorization to deal with. and alongside that if i speak with the authority of god's voice or i speak as his voice then creation responds Mm -hmm. but there you need to know identity of who you really are to be able to speak that way and i found for me intimacy brooding in his presence aligning myself by just resonating with his heart and his thoughts and his intentions would change me to enable me to do whatever I needed to do within those intentions. So I don't want to do anything outside of the intentions of his heart. Um, Jesus only did what he saw the father doing. Mm -hmm. So I've got to look to perceive what is the father doing in any situation? And then am I aligned with his heart? Am I resonating with his intentions? Then when I speak, creation responds generally. Um, And that means I can choose realities that align with the father's intentions. You know, I can't just choose realities because I happen to want something to be true. But Mm -hmm. creation is designed because creation really, we're talking about light. Mm -hmm. Everything is made up of vibrating frequencies of light. Mm-hmm. some of which are solid and which we see and some of which we can't see, but they still exist. And light is designed and it's living, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a dead thing because God is light mm-hmm. and everything has been formed or created from him and through him. Therefore, everything is connected to light and to the frequency of, of his voice. And when we speak with that frequency aligned, then creation responds to us and light literally chooses to align with what we say and that quantum physically is you know the observer yeah the reality and and so that's a science thing but science doesn't really break it down to the individual that they really only really look at it as a conceptual thing and most quantum physicists that i've seen wouldn't apply that to their everyday life you know, they sort of see it as more of a physics concept and they don't understand it because it seems more spiritual than it does physical in that sense. 
Um, and therefore, most people see that that is a truth that they can do experiments to prove, but they're not really believing that that's something that we can live by. But actually, the reality is we can mm -hmm. if we're aligned to the Father's heart. So as I brood in intimacy with the Father, it changes me, aligns me with the Father's heart. And then when I speak, creation responds, light responds. Mm -hmm. Now, you can't do that if you're double-minded or with any doubt or unbelief, because every time we choose to do something, there is infinite numbers of things we could choose to do. Mm -hmm. Most people only choose to do the things that align to the memory that they already have. So they're basically replicating what's already happened in their lives again and again and again, because they just choose out of memory to continue that that way of living if you're in blind with the father's desires and heart you can see something which is not in your past but in your future so you're looking what is god's heart for the future how do i call that future into being and every one of those things that exist as timelines if you like mm -hmm. if there are multiple ones and you are wavering to which one to choose then you usually do default back to what you already know and you keep replicating it. But if you can choose a future which is aligned to the Father's heart and just focus on the one thing, literally, so quantum physicists call it popping a quiff, in that uh -huh. you choose that and there's nothing else that exists for you at that moment, then you can manifest what you're choosing. And you're choosing a reality that then begins to form around you. And literally every other possibility just fades away and light forms that reality and then you live in it. Now, the complication comes in is that you can't do that for somebody else. Generally speaking, unless they're right. in agreement. So right. when someone's in agreement with you, then agreement causes manifestation for more than just that one person. But generally speaking, we're only responsible and able to choose realities around our lives. And the impact that has on others would be impacting them in a positive way of blessing them, mm -hmm. even if they don't choose it. But if they choose an opposite path, then they have a right to choose the, the path they want to follow. Mm -hmm. So although you may be providing an environment that enables them to have a choice they may not choose it and there you can manipulate and control somebody by choosing the reality for somebody else mm -hmm. so i can't choose someone else's reality i can only choose mine mm -hmm. but the more people who come together in agreement with one mind and one heart and one purpose aligned to the father's heart the easier it is then to start choosing things on a bigger scale and you you have the stories of is it dr emoto who um, was getting people to focus intention and he had a, a in Japan I think there was a lake in Japan that had pollution and he got a whole load of people to to come together in agreement to focus their good thoughts and intentions for the cleansing of the water and the water was cleansed because mm -hmm. it happened to be that there was enough intention and choice I guess to effectively form that reality and he says the power of thoughts the power of words and intentionality can affect lots of things. And he's done lots of experiments where he cooks some rice and he puts it in a in two pots 
seals it up and then puts hate on one pot on a label and then puts love on the other pot on a label and within a few days the one pot is gone putrid and the other pot just keeps on lasting and doesn't go bad because hmm. it's the power of the words but the intentions behind the words which has an effect you know so our intentions are really important and how we focus those intentions align to the father's heart so if you don't know the father's heart it's really difficult to choose a reality Mm-hmm. Now, if you do, if you do engage the Father's heart, then you've got to outwork that through who you are, because I would do it differently from you, and we're all different. So the way we do it and the choices we make to outwork the Father's heart would be multiple, and therefore I can choose to do it differently one day from the next day. But I'm always aligned to the Father's heart, so it sort of makes it not boring for sure. And there's always no, something. Not at all. Yeah. can begin to engage with so when it then comes to say things that i want to do that are aligned to god's heart i can choose the reality now i know how to do it now because the father showed me and i know how light responds because i've seen light responding and i know when i speak out of the father's heart then i know that 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 voice has a resonance that light responds to so I mean, I've got lots of examples of where that has affected my own reality and the choices I make. Um, and some of those things would be seen as pretty supernatural in that something happens which is not normally possible. Um, you know, and I've sort of chosen a reality which is like, okay, I'm not accepting the present state of things. I want this different. I want it changed. Agreed. So that's happened a lot when I travel. And it has a lot when I sort of fly and do different things when things happen, which sort of may could disrupt my sort of in, in schedule and everything else, then I choose a reality where it doesn't. Now, one example would that be I was I was in Hanover in Germany and I was doing a conference and then I was coming back and I flew to Brussels to get a flight back to England because there was no direct flight. And I was sitting in the airport, just relaxing, editing some video, actually audio, I think it was. And I just lost track of the time. And then I picked up in the atmosphere, just some negativity. So I looked around and people were looking quite anxious. So I went up to the the flight desk and said, oh, what's the problem? And they said, oh, we're having a problem with the tunnel thing. It's not connected at one end and we can't let you walk across it to get onto the plane until it's fixed. So it, so I, so, which was, you know, because there was a gap, oh. health and safety and all this stuff. So, so I said to, and immediately I knew the solution. You know, the solution just came to me. So I said, here's the solution. Use the gate below this one, because we were on the first floor and there was a, a ground floor and walk to the plane and give us a give us a yeah. steps to go up onto the plane oh we can't do that we can't do that i said okay fine so i went and sat back down carried on what i was doing and you know the flight was only an hour and 20 minutes i think an hour and 30 minutes something like that but eventually we they did exactly what i said to do and they said we need to go down to the gate below because they couldn't fix the tunnel and we were an hour over an hour late taking off Okay, so we're an hour later taking off. It's an hour and 20 flight, and we've all got connections that we need to be there on time to get. And there's lots of people, and they're all anxious, and they're all pretty annoyed. 
because they could have solved this problem we would have taken off on time if they just listened or been, been a bit more creative about it rather than jobs worse you know and this is what part of the problem people don't find creativity very easy they just thought well, i can't do that just, well <laughs> okay fine so i was on the plane and it was like okay i chose the reality that i'm not going to miss my flight that right. was the reality there was no other option there was no worry, anxiety, concern. I was not going to miss my flight. And therefore, no, neither was anybody else on the plane. So I wanted to bless everybody, but I wasn't going to miss my flight. I made that choice. Now, normally, sometimes I just leave it there. And then you could say the universe responds or light responds and things happen. And in this instant, I actually thought, no, actually, I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to send some angels ahead of the plane to actually open up a warp field that will bend space for us to get there on time. I just thought, I, mean, I didn't know, I just thought that. Yeah. I thought, yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll just, I'll just bend space. I'll get the angels to do it because they fly with me. They can do it for me. So I just sat down and carried on. I was, I was doing reading or something. And about 10 minutes later, the cabin staff all started smiling because they were not making eye contact with anyone to begin with because a it was a very short flight normally and they didn't want to they just didn't want to be involved in in contention so they just kept to themselves and then i saw them all smiling and they started announcing where the gates were for connections and everything else and basically we got there on time you know and it was like okay but then i discovered that I was then flying to England outside of the continent of Europe. So I had to go through another terminal and then go back through security and everything. So I got off the plane and I was carrying on and it's like, but I'm okay. I'll, this won't be a problem. And then there was a girl who actually, she must've been in her early twenties. She, she saw, she saw me and she saw, she, I, I can't remember. I spoke to someone and she said, oh, are you English? I said, yeah. She said, oh, I'm going to Bristol. Um, and I think we're going to miss, I'm going to miss the flight because we have got to go. And I said, no, I'm going to Bristol as well. Just walk with me. We'll be fine. So we walked together and we were just chit-chatting a little bit and we walked together. We got to the security and it was a big, long line. And she, I could see her face. She was looking like, oh, no. And I, it's not going to affect me. So we just walked right through. Like, literally, we were on the other side. And she was like, I could see her face was like, what happened? How did we do that? And I just smiled and we just got on the plane and, and got back. And it's like, I could have panicked or I could have thought, oh no, I'm going to miss my flight. I won't be able to get back today. I won't be there tomorrow. I've got things I'm doing tomorrow. And then you, all of a sudden you have all of these, oh no, no, yeah, no, worry. Yeah. But you, if you're going to, you've got to take those things captive or ultimately when you practiced at this, you don't have those thoughts at all because it's like, no. I'm not having negative thoughts. So then you choose some realities and that reality happened. Now you could say, you know, well, it's a coincidence, but actually you can't fly from Hanover to Brussels in less than 20 minutes. It's impossible <laughs> you know, from a natural perspective, but we did, we got there and none of them could explain it. Obviously we just got there and they were all really happy. We got there. Yes. You know, it's things like that, that you can choose to do. You know, and I've chosen lots of things like that, which mm -hmm. I always check it out with the father first. 
because I don't want to assume that what I want is aligned to what he wants. Mm -hmm. I'm going to check it out. So, you know, and other occasions, there have been situations where I didn't change the reality. You know, I was in, I was in Toronto, I think, and I was flying to Winnipeg um, and I was in plenty of time. I was transferring to a, you know, an internal flight and I had to check my baggage back in because I had to get my bags and check them back in and get on the other flight. And I was waiting for my bags to come off the carousel and they just didn't come off. You know, there was like everyone else's came off and I'm just standing there on my own with no, no, no bags. And I'm like, okay. And immediately I thought, okay, I'm going to change this. And then I had a check in my spirit and I, and I checked it out with the father and it was like, no, just, just wait, just rest, just wait there. So I waited there and eventually my bags came off for no apparent reason that they were delayed, but they were. So I went up to the check-in desk. I said, well, you've missed that flight. We'll get you on the next flight, which is only half an hour later. So I said, oh, great, fine. Checked in the bags, went over to the area where you sit and wait to get on the plane. And there was this lady there and she sort of asked me what I, where I was going and why I was going. And I just said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to Winnipeg. I'm going to do a conference. So what sort of conference? I said, it's a Christian conference, but it's a different conference because it's talking about, yeah, Christianity and science and quantum physics. And she said, wow, that's really amazing. What's all that about? And she, she says, I'm a scientist. So we had this amazing conversation that God had engineered. So if I changed the thing and caught my original flight, I would have missed that opportunity. So you've got to be sensitive and not make assumptions about, okay, well, I'm going to change this because I can. Right. You know? right. And, and uh, you know, another, another occasion I was in New Zealand and I was speaking in Auckland and it was a, an amazing evening and it was just like absolute thunderstorm, thunder and lightning. And I was speaking with this lightning flashing in the background. It was great. I mean, I was, you know, really enjoying it. It was so much fun. I was talking about angels and all sorts of stuff. But you weren't and the sound man. <laughs> I wasn't the sound man, no. And I, I, I sort of finished and everyone, everyone left. And, you know, I was, I'm usually the last one to sort of leave. I've been chatting to everyone and talked to everyone. So, so I eventually got out and there was outside the building were all these cars lined up and apparently the caretaker because we were the last people in the building had locked the gate and locked everyone in the car park and they couldn't get out so it was like okay i, I didn't know what was going on so i went up to the front car who was by the gate and there was the two ladies there one of them was a hindu and another one was a yeah, not yet believer at the time and they were invited by a friend of mine to come and listen. Mm -hmm. So they just, I said, what's going on? They said, oh, the gate is locked. We can't get out. You know, we're waiting for someone to call a thing, but they didn't know the caretaker's number. So they were all stuck there. Anyway, so they said, well, and they, with us, quite a glint in their eye. They were, they were sort of joking, but they said, oh, do you think you could ask one of those angels to open the gate? You know, so I looked at them and I said, no, it's OK, I'll open the gate for you. And they said, well, it's locked. I said, don't worry. So I went up to the gate and I opened the padlock, just opened it just like that, because I just chose that's what I was going to do. Uh -huh. And they looked at me as if it was like, how, how did you do that? <laughs> it's like, but I chose to do it because God didn't want everyone stuck there. You don't want me no. stuck there either. I needed to get back and, you know, get something to eat and go to bed or whatever. You know, so it was like. So I chose the reality. Now, what happens when you choose a reality like that, 
every other possibility exists. There was no thought in my mind that I couldn't open the gate. The gate wouldn't open. It was just a con foregone conclusion. It was going to open. And it did. If you're doubting, oh, should I do this? Could I do this? Can I do this? It just doesn't really work. You know, you've got to, God doesn't doubt. You know, when no, Jesus exactly. created everything, he wasn't doubting, oh, I wonder whether this will work. You know, it's just like he just, it was his intention, his desire, and he just spoke it into being. So in a sense, that's what we do. Whether we use, you know, words that we speak or we are the frequency right. of that intention, that's the key. And intentionality is really, really important when it comes to engaging with creation because you've got to be intentional about it yeah. and you've got to look to feel and experience what creation is is engaging in, you know, whatever it might be, you know. So I did and this helped me learn because it's really practical and then they're you know going on in my life right now i went back on her generational line and took care of some traumas and stuff i heard so we took her to an acupuncturist and he was into chinese medicine and i really understood what he was talking about very much so you know when he said well she has too much wind too much heat da -da -da. So i went oh Okay, I can do with that. So I came home and then I asked the elements, the wind. And yep. she told me that I needed to send the wind back because she came from Ohio. Mm. And that that wind had traveled with her here. So I had her and she was on the couch, you know, doing deliverance on my dog, right? And my husband's sitting there having coffee. <laughs> and I'm just doing like this. And so I'm talking to Gail which is the element, the wind. And she says, send it back. And so I went, you kind of go, well, how do you, oh, okay. So don't think about it. I said, well, the wind of Ohio, you don't belong here. You go back. And immediately my dog goes <gasps> like this. And my husband goes, I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't see it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so, yes. And there's been other other and then with the fire there's been other issues with that yeah. um but you know i keep going because it's so when i hear you the intent mm. so because it's it's painful when there's yeah. pain involved it's hard to hang on to the intent yeah it is and in a sense that would come for even if you're looking for healing for yourself Mm -hmm. When there's a symptom, you have to be able to see the result, not the present situation. So it is difficult. And a lot of people struggle with the whole thing of healing. You know, I, I've gone through many different sort of journeys in healing to come to a sort of sense of, well, actually, Jesus wants us to be immortal, not just to be healed all the time. And actually, therefore, Agreed. you go to health, you know, so it's health. And if you're healthy, then you won't die. So immortality has come to light through the gospel. Mm -hmm. But when people have got a symptom, they find it really difficult to hold on to that reality because they're reminded of the present situation all the time. And that's when the doubt and unbelief come in. Now, I don't know with a dog how you can get the dog's agreement for the healing if you like because with a person you would be looking for them to come into agreement but it's complicated because some people just don't get healed 
And no matter who prays for them, it just doesn't seem to happen. And you think, why? Yeah. It's like this person has healed everybody. But then you get stories like Bill Johnson saying that I think is it his son who's deaf and yet prays for a whole lot of people who are deaf and they get healed and he's not healed. And you just think, well, that didn't make any sense. Why? Mm-hmm. What, what, what is it about that? And sometimes you just got to say, I don't understand. God, what's going on? I don't understand. And sometimes he might tell you and sometimes he might not. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, I'm going to trust you. You're going to bring good out of this anyway. Right. And sometimes the journey is more important than the destination because you learn so much on the journey that when you get to the destination, you're changed and you have a whole lot more. So if something happens in an instant, you don't get a journey. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's like when Jesus prayed for the people who were the lepers, he sent them on a journey to go and present themselves. And one of them was grateful and came back. Now, I don't know whether he was the only one who actually followed through and got healed or whether he was the only one who was grateful enough to come back. You don't know. But bottom line is there was a journey. And one of the words that is used for healing in in the New Testament in Greek is therapeuo, which is where we get therapy from, Mm -hmm. not miracle. Right. Miracles happen instantly. Yes. Therapies happen on a journey of some sort. And for that, people walked and eventually one of them came back and thanked Jesus because he walked on the journey, listened and he, he followed. So sometimes I think the journey has a purpose that we can't always see when we want an instant result. Mm-hmm. So we learn things that only God knows what we need to learn on any journey. And therefore, I'm, I'm always sort of like, OK, I'm not going to get frustrated or disappointed because there must be a reason and i'm going to trust god that that reason is good now it's difficult when someone's suffering or where your dog's suffering and you're looking well that doesn't seem very fair why they continue to suffer why does this person continue to suffer i've just got to the point where okay god is good he's good all the time he's love he loves unconditionally therefore i can't question because I'm not God and I don't know, but I know he's good and that's not going to shake it. But sometimes complicated situations and you've been looking to unpack what's going on and you've found quite a lot of stuff oh my already yeah. about what's going on, even in a situation yeah. with a dog. And know? I'm being, I'm traveling in the spirit, healing people with the same yeah. issues. Yeah. Yep. And it's just like, um, okay. Yeah. And then I respond. So, you know, I respond to her the same way that I saw myself in the spirit heal like an infant, you know, an infant and the mom and of the same yeah. thing, the staph, the staph infection on the skin. And yeah. I do the same thing with my dog. Yeah. yeah. In, in my, my experience with engaging with the angels and fallen angels and all sorts of aspects of creation and dimensional beings and all sorts of stuff is I don't make any assumptions and I realize that a lot of what is I haven't got no idea or clue about but I I just keep walking with the father and sort of discover more and more as I go what I've actually discovered is that a lot of the time our level of understanding our identity in sonship isn't enough to convince them that we have the authority to do what we're trying to do 
That's what that's what uh, I just say that again. That that I yeah that's okay. yeah see that well, again. Yeah, I don't know what I just said, but I'll just say it, try and say it. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, it's like what I've discovered is that as you engage different aspects of creation, they respond to the level of authority you have in your identity as sons. And sometimes we don't know our identity full enough for them to recognize us as sons. So we're still in a process of transformation, transfiguration, renewing our minds. And sometimes we operate in wishful thinking without really having that full total conviction that creation needs to respond to us. And I, I've had to convince aspects of creation and beings that I'm for them because a lot of people are not. And they've listened to a lot of what has been said by you know, people mm -hmm. and they've heard a lot of things by religious people and they've heard a lot of things from people who don't seem to be that loving and whatever. And therefore they don't trust us. And creation has needs to trust us again. Mm -hmm. So when you got that passage in Romans 8, where it talks about, you know, creation being set free from its bondage to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Right. Not that many of the children of God are clothed with glory. So they don't know the essence of who they really are. Therefore, creation doesn't recognize them. Therefore, when you come up against an aspect of creation uh -huh. and they're doubting what you're saying, you've got to find a way of engaging them. And, and I, I've chosen to do that when I engaged certain beings and things. It's like, firstly, I am going to, I have to show that I'm genuine yeah. in my desire yeah. for them to be restored. Yeah. You know, that, that's the first thing. And if I'm not genuine, and genuine cannot mean, doesn't mean that I'm not necessarily wanting them to be, but I've got to be unwavering in my desire and belief that this yeah. will take place. And therefore, sometimes I look at some of the things I engage and I'm like, they must see on my face that I'm like, what is this? Who are you? What are you? What are you? What's this all about? You know, and therefore, sometimes I've got to take sort of, OK, I need to just draw breath here and I need to compose myself, come back to a place of rest. And then usually in that moment, I've engaged with the father and I've got the father's heart. And then I can then begin to express the father's heart, which I'm now in agreement with fully, because some of the things I see are pretty ugly looking things. Yeah. You know, they're, they're they're not pleasant to look at and what they're doing and have done is not pleasant to see. And therefore, you sometimes have a reaction in your spirit or in, more in your soul, actually. It's probably a soul reaction is like not quite as much love as, as God has, let's say. And therefore, then I've got to sort of come back and engage the love of God again and then start to express that. So that has all sorts of connotations. I remember engaging with a group of people and we were engaging around the earth in, in there's a shield around the earth that God has been putting together for a while of people whose desire is to shield the earth from external influences and then to minister into the earth. And we started to engage that and we started to engage with the core of the earth. And all of us just felt drawn to engage the core of the earth. And the core of the earth actually expressed its displeasure 
at why it's always associated with negative things because it seems as well that's where hell is or that's where this is and it's that the other and it was like <laughs> and so we had to apologize for the way we had disrespected the core of the earth by associating negative things like under the earth that's where bad stuff happens yeah that's where the devil's lair is i mean all that it's all mythology in one sense because yeah. it's not we're not talking about physical realities we're talking about spiritual realities but it affects the physical reality uh -huh. and the core of the earth expressed its displeasure yeah. and you know i'm so okay we're going to respond so we apologized we said basically on behalf of everyone who's negatively indicated this stuff we apologize we really asked you to forgive us yeah. and we really want to engage and we want to cooperate together to bring stability to the earth or to bring blessing to the earth because the core of the earth is part of the responsibility for the magnetic field of the earth and the magnetic field of the earth can can have issues which then form different things in the in the environment which are not healthy so we sort of started to engage and whatever and then then it then it said and i'm and particularly the issue over where these beings have been chained up which is tartarus yes where the fallen watcher yeah. angels are chained up in peter yeah. it talks about it yes so we're like oh okay what are we going to do about that so it's like we were all like looking at each other and we're like we've got no idea what to do here absolutely no idea what to do here but okay well let's go and let's go and ask the father let's go and engage see what he wants us to do so we ended up engaging with the father and it was like we had a, a dis we had a sort of process that mm -hmm. he in showed us that we needed to go through to get to the point where we could set a group of angelic beings free or help them to become restored or other things and it was like okay so we had to go back to the core of the earth and say look sorry we can't do anything about this right now but we've been given a process that actually in the future we will be able to 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 deal with this so sometimes you've just got to you know interact and react and go with the flow of what's going on but there is a sense where a lot of people presume that they know who they are but really don't and creation will just you know know they're blagging really i mean essentially yeah. you know you, you can't blag you've got to be genuine and you've got to be real and therefore you really do have to know and you might just know <laughs> in that instance you know and it might not be a general thing all the time that you know but in that instance you've got to know and therefore you're totally confident in what you're doing in that instance and therefore you know when it comes to something you know like dealing with your dog or dealing with something sometimes it's like i realize i don't know and there's lots of things i could do you know and i know how to do and i know how to engage with anointing for healing in certain things but sometimes you know as you found okay there may be issues here which are beyond the physical and there are spiritual dynamics here and you know there may be as you see trauma things there which have been lodged within the cells of hey, the dog itself or you know as I say passed on epigenetically because the end of the yes, day yes, epigenetics yes. Is not actually just for human beings no you know dna can contain memory and so can epigenetic factors can be passed on from generation to generation in dogs as well as humans yeah. you know so there is quite complex issues around it 
And I mean, bottom line is I can't give you an answer to your specific situation with your dog, but it seems like you're doing the right things. Yeah, I understand um, that. It's just that um, when I was yeah. listening to the other interviews, one of the things that struck me is how you wrapped the frequency of God's heart around you. And I went, uh, note to self, yes. you know, note to yeah. self. I went, um, okay, that's good. That's really good. And so that was a yeah. highlighted point to me. Yeah. And, and um, I do that, but then I also surround what I'm dealing with, with that frequency as well. So I encompass it in love because literally God is love. And the, right. the frequency that I engage in, in his intentions, is always going to be a manifestation of his love. Therefore, I then surround things with his love because I'm surrounding them with my, my desire which is an expression of his desire. And so, yeah, yeah. In this situation, try that with the dog. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to surround you. I'm going to extend my spiritual boundary and I have rivers of living water flowing with energy and life and health and wholeness. And I'm going to put it around you and I'm going to hold you in my heart and within the intention of my desire for health and wholeness for the dog, mm -hmm. you know, and then you're in a sense creating an environment that is protecting them from any external influence and is holding them in an atmosphere of love so that their physical body can respond to that frequency of to the love. original template. But it's a healing yeah. frequency because yeah. it's, you know, you know, and there's all sorts of other things you can do. I mean, you can use rife machine frequencies. You can use all oh, sorts oh, of. Oh, 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 oh. Guess what? So now that you brought that up. So I was sitting at dinner the other night with my my son and his girlfriend and Don for Dad's Day. And all of a sudden his girlfriend started talking about her grandmother, right? Yeah. And... She goes, my grandmother, and she had leukemia, and da, 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 da. And she goes, yeah, have you ever heard of the Rife thing? And I went, mm, tell me more. And so then she said that her grandma has one of those machines. Yeah. As one of those machines that she was talking to me about it because she was thinking about it for my dog, right? And she said, I went, oh, and so they just got it out of storage because the grandparents moved. So I just went, are, are you guys using this? <laughs> the sound and the frequency. But she told me the story of how they had to hide and go behind the scenes to actually purchase one of those machines. So yeah, in the, interesting in the, in that you mention it. Yeah, in the U.S., you're not allowed to purchase one whole, I don't think, or they don't like it yeah. anyway. Now, Rife, Royal, Raymond Royal Rife, who developed that, was a scientist, I think, in the 30s. Um, and he developed, he was, he was operating on a, a sort of electron microscope at looking at things at a deeper level. And he noticed that frequency seemed to have an effect on cells. Mm -hmm. So he then tried to replicate that and produced a machine that produced frequencies that then could be applied to cancer patients or terminally ill patients. Mm -hmm. And literally he had, I think, 14 terminally ill patients that he was given a few months to be able to apply frequencies to, and all of them were healed, every one of them. Her grandmother was healed. Yeah, every one of them was healed. And, but 
obviously at that point in time you and then he was given doctor of the year award <laughs> you know or i think I, maybe not doctor of scientists or so because i'm not sure he was he wasn't an actual medical doctor but he mm. was a phd of something i think and he was given this award and then all of a sudden all sorts of things started to go on in the scene and his is all his research was lost he died in an unexplained way and it was a big fire in his lab and everything was lost yeah. and therefore you know nothing really came of it so now i think god is unveiling and revealing that everything really operates on frequency and intention right. and this sort of stuff that some people are now rediscovering rife frequencies so there are a lot of rife machines out there some of them are quite big and expensive some of them are smaller i i used a machine called spooky too not that i needed it for myself because <laughs> oh, it but it's called spooky too because i albert einstein called quantum entanglement that spooky uh-huh you know because it, it is weird isn't it How, it's totally weird instantly connect billions of miles apart you know? know so literally they called it spooky too and it's just quite a smallish like little machine like that i i bought one from imported it from the far east somewhere and hong kong i think and had it was using it had a couple of them we've got it here in our sort of therapeutic yeah, room um and it operates in multiple different ways you can put frequencies into water drink the water you can hold plasma coils which actually goes into the body or you can operate all in quantum entanglement so you can use a little bit of nail which carries your dna you put it into this chamber the frequencies are applied to the chamber which actually affect the person yeah and draw those because the dna yeah. attracts itself to its, yeah, itself absolutely so you know you could get a bit of your dog's dna put it in that apply the and what you do you do you do biofeedback scans to find out what's actually wrong because a lot of things on the surface symptom are not actually the what's really going on in the body and there's often toxins and other things you know parasites all sorts of stuff that goes on in yeah. the body and you you know so any, anyway there's there's you know there's a lot of things like that that do work and it even works on a, a pretty weird stuff you can put green fly in this chamber and it will apply a frequency around a certain certain distance around your house that all the free, free green fly will just disappear from the garden because it basically provides a frequency that hits against the green fly frequency and they just you know, like disappear or don't come near there's all sorts of stuff like that you can put mold in there that actually then removes the effect of mold on the body because you're you're hitting it with a, a complementary frequency it's like hitting it with a jackhammer. You find the frequency that this thing is vibrating at, then you come at it with a much stronger frequency and you basically destroy it. But you know, it is technically, it's like a prophetic sign of who we are. We should be able to. Yes. To and that's where I've come. Resonate at that I frequency. Believe, exactly. I believe this is a temporary transitional thing that we're using technologies to do things that are ultimately we will be able to choose with the power of our consciousness and thought right just like a cell phone yeah you just focus the intention and you focus it into that situation and you change it but there's a lot of these things around which are i wouldn't you know i'm not i'm not saying don't use them because i think if you don't know how to focus your intention and do that 
this is a this is a solution it may be a transition but actually use it and there's all sorts of machines people use gem therapy they're using light therapy yeah they're using all sorts of plasma therapies different therapies friend of mine um who had cancer um she was terminal told she was terminal she just refused to accept it she asked the father what to do she started applying certain things that he told her one of them was using a particular uh, sort of therapy machine called a beamer which is designed to create sort of blood flow you know in the system and she used that and with a few other supplements that he told her to take and basically her her cancer markers just went down and down and down and she's she's fine yeah you know, and she was only given a few weeks to live, really. Basically, they told her she needed to leave, go to hospice. You know, she just refused it. Well, I'm, I'm not accepting that. I'm not done. God's got a destiny <laughs> for me. And eventually she she learned to apply those things. Yeah. Now, she's she's got a therapeutic wellness center that she you know, manages. And there are a lot of people now developing wellness centers that are looking to apply more alternative things Absolutely. to the solutions to the problems but i do believe ultimately frequencies in frequency and whether you produce it within a machine or whether you can focus your consciousness to choose that reality and that frequency to manifest i don't think they're any different but i think most people don't know how to do it so mm -hmm. it you have to practice it takes a time to practice how to generate that intention and focus that intention and therefore have no doubt or unbelief that's <laughs> i think the biggest problem is double-mindedness for most people they really want to believe it but they don't believe it mm -hmm. and therefore when it comes to doing it they're really hoping it's going to happen and hoping is not enough when you choose a reality you can't hope a reality is going to manifest yeah now everyone does it every day every decision they make yes you know i could choose to do something right now which would affect your reality. I could get up and walk out of the room and I wouldn't be talking to you. That would be a choice. And if I did it, that would manifest because it's just a choice. And eventually that would be the reality. That would become history because you would have it recorded that I wasn't in the seat anymore. <laughs> but right now, it's only a possibility that I'm not going to choose to do. Right. But I can choose lots of other possibilities, like whatever I'm going to say, is a choice it is. you know no i'm not thinking about it i'm instinctively responding because i don't think about the answers i ever talk about anything i just let it out of my spirit because essentially i've already prepared in the realms of heaven before time i'm already ready for anything because i am there sitting in heavenly places you know and huh. um, so it's sort of but it is practice it takes time and you we're not taught how to do it in normal christian things or even if, <laughs> i know even who talks about this stuff wider things it's like it's not people aren't taught generally some people can do it but they tend to keep it to themselves and they don't share with others how to do it because essentially you're giving away secrets and secrets give you power and authority uh -huh. and i just want to give everything away so i'll i'll tell anybody anything they want to know, you know <laughs> and i tell anything but that doesn't mean that people can just go and do it because I've got a journey right. that has brought me to that point. And if they don't have that journey themselves in their own way to come to a place where they are intimate with the father's heart and entangled with him, then they'll be 
needing to go on that journey to bring them to that place where they genuinely they really know the father's heart and they know who they are because you know you can only get your identity from the father mm-hmm. you know most of us have our identity from the world and our upbringing and our cultural sort of experiences that shaped what we think about ourselves i need we need that renewing of the mind to start thinking about ourselves the way god thinks about us Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of thoughts about us. Instead, it says in Psalm 139, a vast sum of thoughts about I us, know. in fact. How many of them do we know? Eh. How many of them are we in agreement with? And if we are, then the more we are, the more we'll actually be who he says we are, rather than what anyone else says or what we might have thought. You know? so, I agree. I agree. Woohoo! Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. I'm kind of going, ooh, do I ask one more question or do I wrap it up now? It's good. Thank you. How are you doing on time, Mike? Um, Well, I haven't got that much time longer because I've got to get home, cook my meal, and then come back because I've got another meeting later. So, But, you know, I'm okay for a few minutes. Well, I don't ever see you answer anything in a few minutes. <laughs> Probably not, no. <laughs> I'm thinking. Okay. I'm thinking. I think we should probably leave it there. Okay, that's great. And if you know, if you ever want to do it again, I'm always I available. Thought, yes, I have some thoughts to share especially on Sheol so yeah plenty plenty of experiences around that oh yeah yeah Uh it's quite interesting so but I want to be respectful of your time so we would have time for you to release an activation yes um okay what what sort of activation do you want to do Hmm. Yeah, you turned that right back around and said, what kind of activation do you want to do? Um, (laughs) Okay. Would you hand me from the Father's heart, and it would be, if you're handing it to me, it would be handing it, it would be individually handling it to each listener. But would you hand me a portion of father's heart that he feels is needful for me today okay yeah i can do something like that i guess i mean best thing for me i'll just check it out with the father and then we'll go from there okay Okay. all right well yeah i mean i think what the father wants everybody to know in in a more deep and intimate way is unconditional love right and the frequency of unconditional love will actually begin to transform our whole being into who he says we are so i encourage you to close your eyes mm-hmm. and just start to focus your intention your thinking your thoughts on the father's face and just just breathe slowly and breathe deeply 
and just come to a place of rest where you're just resting in the presence of the Father. You're resting in the presence of love. And the Father is releasing that love to you. He's surrounding you, cocooning you with his love. That love is resting on you and you're feeling the weight of that love his unconditional love for you, no conditions attached. That love is pouring into you like a river of living water, love flowing from the top of your head to the tip of your toes, that love flowing from your innermost being, touching every cell of your body, every thought in your mind, every memory in your heart, and transforming everything into an experience of unconditional love and as that love is filling you and filling you and filling you you're coming to a place of absolute peace full joy resting in living loved that he is loving you right now and i want you just to think of others who you know need to experience that love. And from what you are experiencing, release that love as a river of living water flowing from your innermost being, flowing from your spirit, soul, body around you and encompass those people that you want to focus that intention of love on and surround them with that energy field of love, that frequency of love and let them be encompassed and surrounded with love. So freely you're receiving, freely you're releasing. And I'm just gonna release a frequency. frequency of love you're bathing in love soaking in love that love touching every part of your being why I asked that request. Yeah. I'm going to tell you why I asked that request because all of a sudden I saw the heart, the organ is just was right there, right? Okay. And so that's why I asked the, re the request. And then what I received from the request, and this is a pretty graphic picture that he created in my mind but from the movie Dances with Wolves, yeah. 
Yeah. When they went out hunting the buffalo, right? Yeah. Which was very needful for them. And so uh, Kevin Costner got his first kill of the buffalo. And in the scene when they stripped open the animal and were preparing it, his best friend, who was his best friend? I don't remember his name. He hands him the heart. Mm. And Kevin Costner goes like this, right? And he goes, hmm, hmm. And basically what the first thing that they did when they killed, they <laughs> ate yeah. the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Essence of the animal. Yeah. And that's yeah. exactly what happened to me when I saw the heart was to eat the heart, which eats the victory and the provision. Awesome. Interesting. Yeah. <sighs> Thank there you, you very much. Hey, you're welcome. This is very fun, good stuff. I appreciate it so much. I will leave the links for the listeners to find your books and to be able to find you. So it'll be there in the episode description. Mike, if you just hold on a sec here, I'm going to say goodbye to the listeners. And I will see you next week. <laughs>